Hello, and welcome back to Reasons for Leaving, a comical and witty look at how we work and what we buy. I am the man who is still figuring out what he wants to do when I grow up, and your host, Dale Robbins. Before we get started, I want to say thank you, thank you, thank you to all my listeners out there. I'm honored that you have chosen to spend time with me, and I invite you to check out the show's website, www.reasonsforleaving.com, for more content and to learn about me. You'll also find links to this show's social media outlets, including my YouTube page, where I have recently uploaded some footage from my private investigator days. It's a fun little video showing different subjects who claim to be disabled. Were they really? I'll let you watch the video and decide. And now, because truth is often stranger than fiction, here is the news. Microsoft announced strong revenue growth for the fourth quarter of 2020. Why? Video games. Social distancing and quarantine have more people stuck at home looking for things to do. This led to an increase of $1.3 billion over Q4 for 2019. Analysts are awaiting forthcoming sales data on Mountain Dew, Cheetos, and divorce filings. The Aunt Jemima brand is now officially Pearl Milling Company. In a move applauded as long overdue, PepsiCo returned to the original brand name of the product line as the former image was rooted in racist stereotypes. After that announcement, the Mrs. Butterworth brand began more subtle changes to its product line, such as smoothing the features on the iconic syrup bottle to have a more ambiguous matronly figure. Oh, Captain Crunch, my Captain Crunch. It is quite possible you represent dark elements of history as well. But that's a discussion for another time. The Justice Department and the SEC announced investigation proceedings into what appears to be a coordinated attempt to manipulate trading prices on issues related to AMC and GameStop. However, legal experts agree that since the trading was spread among hundreds of individuals in small increments, and the coordination was largely through anonymous posts on message boards, prosecution for the majority of the conspirators will be unlikely. This prompted marijuana dealers everywhere to say, Dude, what? That's not fair. And that's the news. I'm adding a segment to the show titled, What I Think. And here it is. I absolutely love pharmaceutical commercials. I think they are hilarious. Now, please understand, I am not making fun of people with medical conditions. It's the tightrope performance of juggling legal and marketing in these commercials that make them so unintentionally funny. On the screen, you see the happy, smiling guy washing his car, and then he gets into a water fight with the kids. And the background voiceover is something like, rare but serious side effects are known to occur, including a sudden transport into another dimension ruled by ants or having an arm fall off. Then they're always saying, 
don't take jelly beans from the moon if you're allergic to jelly beans from the moon. I've never had jelly beans from the moon. How would I know if I'm allergic to it? I am allergic to penicillin, so I don't take it. How do I know I am? Because I took it once, and my lips were swollen up like a baboon's butt. Before that, how would I have known? I saw one for an antidepressant that listed difficulty smiling as a side effect. Difficulty smiling? If I'm depressed, I already have that problem. I don't want something to make that worse. One of my favorites, though, is for a migraine drug. After three warnings that the drug could cause severe constipation, including a warning that the extent of the constipation could be so bad you may need to have surgery. The voiceover calmly says, it doesn't matter what each day brings because jelly beans from the moon are here to see you through. I'm going to have to disagree with that statement. After all those dire constipation warnings, I think it very much does matter what each day brings. Our guest for today's episode is uh, Dr. Justin Goodson, who is a professor at St. Louis University uh, School of Business. Uh, he's also a skilled pianist and photographer. Justin, thanks for joining us today. It's my pleasure to be with you, Dale. Thanks for having me. So, wanted to talk a little bit today about management. Um, just in general, Justin, why do so many bosses make people want to quit? Well, I, I don't have personal experience with this, fortunately. But I, as I've thought about this question, I, I, I think, I, I suspect it comes down to an issue of motivation. Motivation in the workplace. And a few years back, I read a very insightful book by Daniel Pink entitled Drive. And it addresses this question of motivation in the workplace. And, and essentially, the book boils down to uh, employees need three things to really have strong motivation in the workplace. So first of all, employees need autonomy. You need, you need some degree of control over your schedule. Sure. Um, this could be, uh, for example, every other Friday, you, you, you work on your own stuff at your own pace. Um, Second, you need the opportunity for mastery. You need to be able to become really good at something. And this, this takes a lot of time, and I think autonomy is a prerequisite for that. And third, you need a sense of purpose. And I think this can be very wide-ranging. It could be all-encompassing, such as I want to cure world hunger, or I, I want to be an effective teacher to my students this semester, and I'd like at least 10 of the 30 to come away having learned something. You know, hmm. so, well, whatever, whatever appeals to you, as, as long as you feel like you're achieving some purpose. Wow, that's interesting. Um, you know, and, and, and having said that, uh, it seems, seems intuitive that an employee would, would have those needs. Um, you know, and so that uh, kind of reminds me a little bit of EQ... Uh, versus IQ, EQ being that emotional quotient versus the uh, intellect quotient. 
employees don't really care if your boss is, is super smart, but those, uh, those emotional skills, those people skills, where you're connecting to an employee um, and, and meeting those, those needs that you described, uh, what are your thoughts on uh, the importance of EQ versus IQ? That's a great question. I think that emotions are key for us to to be happy. And I'm, I'm remembering, I'm remembering in my life a number of years ago. I was I was in a, a counseling session, marriage counseling, and and the, uh, the counselor said to me, "You're the most intelligent, articulate, thoughtful man I've ever had in my office." And I thought, "Oh my goodness, I'm very flattered." Whether that's true or not, I, whether that's true or not, I don't know. But but I responded to her. I said, "Okay, if that's true, then why am I here? Because clearly, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not happy." Um, and and she said, "Well, we're not taught how to do this." And I it's, I've reflected on this from for years. And I went to school. I'm a child of the '80s, 1980s, and we didn't we didn't learn these emotional coping skills. We didn't learn how to relate to other people. We, we learned our multiplication tables. We, we had largely an education in intelligence, you know, uh, at least as far as facts are concerned, and I was learning basics. Uh, I, I never sure. had, even in, co- in college, a, a class about you know, emotions 101 or relationships 101. Thinking back on, on my upbringing and education as compared to my children now who are openly discussing boundaries and dad can I share my feelings with you and um, so so that generation hasn't reached management level yet but uh, there's hope for the future that kind of brings me uh, to my next point where you know I've noticed in in different fields that I've been that uh, let's say you, you you know metaphorically you've got the job where you've got these buttons that you push you got two buttons you push them you got a lever that you pull you know, and you're cranking that lever, pushing the buttons all day. When it comes time for management, uh, for a promotion, a team lead or something, um, it, it seems more often than not that we're not looking for, or, or the company is is not looking for somebody with those uh, those EQ values, creativity, inspiration. Normally, the promotion goes to the person that has been pulling the lever and pushing the button the longest. Um, what are your thoughts on that? My feeling is that seniority is a very objective way to measure you know, uh, qualification for a promotion. It's easy, mm-hmm. right? You know, how many right. years have you been on the job? Right. Um, these other measures, goodness, they, they, they can be kind of nebulous, especially depending on the profession. So, so that may be one one reason. Uh, it might uh, maybe there's a sense of loyalty and morale that is produced when when we reward seniority. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, um, you know this this may not incentivize or reward innovation from the younger ranks if all you have to do is put in the time. So I think there's a tension there. And I'm thinking about my job, both of these elements are required to to advance. So both of these things are, are important and to the extent they're important, you know, probably depends on the profession. Certainly, certainly. So one last question. What's your funniest awful boss story? Well, I don't know how funny it is, but it, it's certainly awful at times. Um, 
in my profession, I am my own boss for the most part. But that means that I am both my best and worst boss. <laughs> and, and in terms of worst boss, I, I can tell you that I am a master at procrastination. When there's something I don't want to do, and no one is on my case to do it, I can think of an unlimited number of excuses not to do this thing. <laughs> and in hindsight, it's, it's really funny to think, I didn't do that because what? Because I thought I needed to go and check my social media account again. <laughs> um, you know, we, we all experience that to, to some extent, so this, this distraction um, mentality of when, when we hit a little bit of a hurdle, our brain immediately wants to go to something that is easier and it's going to give, a, give it a little more pleasure. So I am my worst boss in that sense. I can totally empathize with that. Well, Justin, it has been a pleasure uh, chatting with you today, and uh, thank you so much for uh, joining the show. It's been my pleasure, Dale. Thanks for having me. And now it's time for one of Dale's tales. In my freshman year of college, I bartended late into the night, got a little sleep, and then drug myself to class in the morning. I wanted a job that would allow me some sleep and flexibility with my class schedule. <clears throat> so I took this phone sales job at an education company enrolling people in classes. I feel the need to offer a little background before I go on because this job was a little different. You're most likely familiar with a strength and conditioning practice known as Pilates. It's named after Joseph Pilates, a German physical trainer who developed the method during the early to mid 20th century. He died in 1967. He was survived by several practitioners that were personally trained by him and became recognized as the authorities on Pilates. Now back to the story. The company I worked for was started by a husband and wife. He was a Pilates instructor and physical therapist, and she minored in business. They were nice enough people, and I don't want anyone to think they were evil or unethical. They were just clueless to some things and had no business running a business. The husband was the president of the company, and the wife was the vice president. Now, he was taught by one of the original disciples of Mr. Pilates, so being two generations from the creator of the technique likely made him qualified to teach Pilates, but my job was to convince people to become certified Pilates instructors under his certification curriculum. So this was not a typical phone sales job selling vitamins. The customers were from a specific niche. The company set up displays and various events uh, attended by physical trainers and physical therapists. People would fill out a form requesting information and then I would follow up with a phone call encouraging people to cough up a thousand dollars and enroll in our classes to become certified to teach Pilates to the general public. Because after all, you can't teach something until you are certified. And you don't want to get certified by another Pilates certifier because we were the Pilatiest of all the Pilatiers. Yeah, it was a tough sell. But what made it a wild ride was the president and the VP. 
in the world of management, there is micromanagement, and then there is this VP. Lest anyone think I'm sexist, I have worked for many outstanding female supervisors, and I have no issue with a woman running a business. However, gross, extreme, abject, and unbridled incompetence is where I take exception. The VP scrutinized every email, every document printed, and the general direction of how I scratched my buttocks. She had a specific way she wanted orders to be processed, so she created a flowchart for us to use. But the flowchart was not drawn in the correct sequence of how she wanted it, so it didn't really flow. At first, my coworkers would work together and developed an oral tradition to make sense of the chart. On the first moon after the last harvest, the VP declared step five must be performed before step two. But then came the schism and reformation, where some wanted the flowchart to be in simple English for all to read. Others claimed the flowchart was to be interpreted literally. And then there were those who felt it was a metaphor of how to do your job. The VP quickly stepped in to unify the sex, but instead of just remaking the flowchart, she sent out a memo to clarify the order of processing the steps. So, to do our job correctly, we first had to look at the memo to tell us to do step two after step six. The president was equally special. We would actually do well enrolling people from time to time, and when he noticed he was going to have to pay us more than he could afford, he would change the commission structure so we would end up making less than we thought we would. He said some of those customers were going to enroll anyway without a salesperson, so it didn't make sense to pay us for them. It was like playing football. And after fighting so hard to make the first down, the ref says it was too easy for us and the next first down will require 20 yards. There was some friction between us over this and I was less than diplomatic in my argument. Towards the end of my time there, he decided to move to a different office space. Payday fell during the move and when I came into the office to pick up my check, he was apologetic as he realized he packed the checks for the move and I would need to wait. So I show up at the office at the new location after everything had been moved to get my check and set up my desk. I looked around everywhere. Everyone else had a desk assigned to them but me. He was out of town, so I called him and asked if he was firing me, and he said yes. I tell this story because every place I have worked, I have learned something. Even if all I learned was how not to suck, I still have learned. I constantly see advertisements from for-profit companies offering certifications for skills ranging from plumbing to balloon animal making some questions to ask before spending your money on a certificate. Do employers or customers even care 
if you have this certificate. Who is certifying you? Is it someone that has been doing this just a year or so longer than you? Might be a great mentor, but are they really an authority on the subject? And lastly, there's an expression shared by gamblers and investors. Bet on the jockey, not the horse. We can't always be choosy about where we work, but sometimes a little research can go a long way on race day. Well, that's all for now. Thank you for listening. The next episode will be in two weeks. Until then, check out the website, www.reasonsforleaving.com. And please tell your friends about the show, share on social media, and run through the neighborhood ringing a bell. I'm Dale Robbins, and remember, failure is the condiment that gives success the flavor.